Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to be part of our real estate family and learn about commercial property investing. We get the best people in the industry to give you straightforward and practical advice that you can actually use in your investing. In today's episode, we are interviewing Ruben Tornberg, a vice president at CBRE. He specializes in representing tech companies and venture capital firms in acquiring and managing office space in the Bay Area. We are going to cover what is happening in the office space in large cities like San Francisco, what has happened in the last year, what is happening right now, does he think that we will ever see any deals? And also, what is the future of office space in large cities? Here we go. Ruben, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm so excited to have you back during these crazy times. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. Um, I am a vice president at CBRE. I work out of our San Francisco office. I've been in San Francisco for wow, the last five years now, um, seven years total in brokerage. I represent technology companies, startups, and venture capital firms and leasing and managing real estate, both locally here in San Francisco and, and across the globe. Our team also helps lead CBRE's technology practice here in the Bay Area. So we specialize in office space and are titled office brokers, but we certainly also have experience in both industrial and retail. I've been dying to speak with someone in the office space that is focused in large cities like San Francisco to see what has happened with office over the last year. Do you mind sharing with us what is going on in your world? Certainly. It has definitely been a change from anything we've experienced in our career. So the market has been placed completely on pause since March of last year, and, and it's due to the pandemic. As soon as it happened, as in many other large metro cities, there was a mandate from, from the city that stated no one can occupy office space. Since then, uh, all the technology companies locally have at first tried to you know, defer their rent or, or get free rent with landlords, and um, unfortunately, they were not very successful because these landlords also have bills to pay, they have mortgages to pay, they have to keep up the operation of their building. Um, and so since they've had to continue paying rent and you know, rents were at extremely high rates, in fact, they were at the highest rates in almost 20 years, I think the average asking rate back in March was $88 per square foot per year. The, these technology companies and their VCs have said, well, how do we stop burning this cash? And the way to do it in their mind was to put their space in the sublease market, try to generate interest, get rid of their obligation. Um, and so since that point, just over 8.5 million square feet of sublease space has been placed on the market. Wow. So they, they all place their space in the market, you know, a few months, you know, time goes by, there's just no interest, there's no demand because no one can occupy office space. Um, and so as the months went by, you know, rates dropped from the mid to high 80s to mid to high 70s. Then a couple more months passed and, and rates dropped to the low 70s. Then a few more months passed and, and rates have dropped into the 60s. Um, and now, you know, for subleases, we are seeing rates at 30% lower 
than what they were back in March 2020. So now you're seeing, you know, for class A space that that's that's really creative and and the type of space that technology companies have wanted over the last five years, you're seeing rates in the low 60s when back in March they were in the high 80s. Now that really only affects the sublease market. Um, landlords on a direct basis have actually continued to keep their rates close to or if not at where they were pre-COVID. And really the reason for that is because they aren't yet feeling the, the pressure, the burn that all these you know, technology companies are because they're still receiving rent. Those technology companies are, are in leases you know, for the next three to five years or are stuck at these rental rates. Um, and until those leases start to expire uh, and landlords start feeling the pain of vacancy, they don't really have a need to drop their rates. Wow, that is super interesting. And also these tech companies, they are also printing money, just like the government, uh, basically. Exactly. So I assume that there aren't too many defaults. Is that correct? That is correct. So they really have not been too many defaults. What some companies have tried to do is just cut their losses and, and seek a termination. Um, although landlords have been very hesitant to do so because of all the uncertainty going forward. You know, if you were to terminate and, ha and landlords had other tenants waiting in the wings, that's one thing. And you can agree to a termination with a penalty of a couple of months rent and, and feel confident that you'll get the space leased again. But without any end in sight, it's, it's certainly much harder to have those conversations. Although some technology companies have gotten really aggressive um, and have proposed, you know, paying a, a year of rent or half of their remaining obligation in exchange for the right to terminate. So we've seen that route a little bit. But uh, I would say, you know, at least 80% of these technology companies are still have their space in the sublease market or are hoping to come to an agreement with a, you know, a growing technology company who can use the space once shelter in place is lifted and rid themselves of remaining obligation without suffering too much pain. And has that changed a little bit earlier this year or is still pretty much the same? No, we're starting to see a little bit of a change, um, which I'm sure is leading into your next question of what's going on now. <laughs> um, so following the new year, and especially after the news of the vaccine, we started to see technology companies plan for what things will look like in a post-pandemic world and, and what their real estate presence will be here in San Francisco. And so since January, we've certainly seen a huge uptick in kind of the first step, which is sublease inquiries, where they've asked their brokers to resurvey the market, find out what's available, where are rates, where can deals be struck, um, and we're starting to see tour activities seriously pick up. Now, that is with the caveat that anyone who is proposing on space is likely proposing for a Q3 or a Q4 start, um, just with the knowledge that they likely aren't going, aren't planning to, or aren't going to be occupying office space until then. And regarding that, do you see any deals whatsoever happening right now from office being on sale and, or do you think they will be coming up anytime this year? So the answer is yes. Deals are happening in, in two forms. The first, and this one has been more common, um, has been direct renewals. So those tenants who have leases expiring or have expired during the pandemic or, or over the next six months have been in negotiations with their direct landlords to renew their lease. Um, and be, because they want to maintain an office presence in San Francisco and um, 
you know, don't just want to have nothing. And those landlords who, who are having those conversations obviously don't want to have vacant space. But what we're seeing mostly is that they're doing these short-term renewals at rates that are a little bit lower than, you know, traditional uh, direct rates, but offer both sides the flexibility in a situation that, you know, in a year, either things look a lot different and rates are way lower, you know, in advantage of the tenant or things look way different and, and rates are back to where they were um, for the landlord. Um, so that, that's one that we're seeing quite a bit of action on in terms of renewals. And the second is, is as I've alluded to, these sublease opportunities that, you know, are at 30% reduced rates, we're starting to see technology companies jump on those, you know, those companies who have recently raised funding are, are willing to be a little more opportunistic about, about office space and, and who are bullish on the city of San Francisco going forward. Um, those deals are starting to happen, but even the ones that we do see happen uh, do not, not have an occupancy date before, call it August 1. So is it safe to assume that landlords are not hurting right now and nobody's trying to sell their office building or anything like that? Yeah, I would say they aren't hurting as much as they likely will be if this continues in another year, um, just because the market has been so hot over the last five years that they've been able to get rates you know, get deals at the rates that they want for long-term to kind of lock in security for the building. Um, and those who are going to sell their buildings right now are, are looking at a, a pretty difficult selling market. Um, so what we're, what we're seeing mostly is landlords trying to hold on um, and get past the uncertainty of the virus and, and see how, um, you know, how eff efficacious the vaccine is before going back into, into the market to sell their buildings. Makes sense. And what is the sentiment regarding office in general in your world? I have my personal opinion, but I would love to hear what you think is going to happen to office space in large cities like San Francisco and what you are hearing. Sure, the million dollar question. <laughs> I, uh, I certainly think that they will eventually bounce back. Uh, but the trend right now is certainly leaning towards satellite offices and secondary metros like Austin, Salt Lake City, Denver, even Miami. I, I'm sure you and, and everyone else has, has been hearing a lot about the Miami tech migration on, on Twitter and the like. Um, tech companies are, are seeing their employees either temporarily or permanently move to these secondary cities while working remote. And, you know, these companies want to put themselves in a position to retain their talent by giving them a place to work outside of their homes. The reason I don't think it's permanent is because the larger metros, particularly San Francisco and New York, have been more strongly affected as it relates to the restrictions imposed by the pandemic. You can't do many of the things that attract people to these big cities, whether it's exploring the restaurant scene, enjoying nightlife, going to concerts, and more importantly, meeting new people, growing your network, and enjoying the energy that these big cities offer. Now, once things are back to normal, knock on wood, are people going to flock back to these big cities, especially as rates continue to plummet? So as, as rates plummet, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. It's, uh, you know, it's certainly, it's just an opinion. I, I don't know for sure what is going to happen. I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm certainly bullish on, on the future of San Francisco. I do have a crystal ball and uh, I am pretty sure that these people are coming back because I don't think young 
professionals who want to be in the suburbs for their professional careers. So they would definitely want to come back to large cities where they can enjoy all of these things that you listed. So that's my prediction. <laughs> um, according to my my purple crystal ball here. I certainly hope that you are right, Steph. <laughs> and I, I trust your opinion. Is there anything else that you think is interesting for our audience to know or keep in mind as real estate investors? I'm very curious to see how the next year turns out and how opportunistic these technology companies choose to be as it relates to picking up space at these low rates. Because, and I think it's a little bit tough to compare this situation to past recessions, um, but cities, especially, you know, large metro cities, specifically San Francisco, in past recessions have seen this sort of volatility where rates were super high, both in the dot-com boom or entering them entering the dot-com boom and entering the recession of 08, and they completely plummeted. They went from 80, you know, they cut in half from 80 to 40, roughly, just using rough numbers. But at that time, um, you know, both of those recessions turned out with companies starting or coming out of those recessions that became huge. In 08, a few great examples are Airbnb, Dropbox, Twitter, Lyft, Uber, et cetera. And those companies started gobbling up so much space in San Francisco at such low rates and for long terms. And as they continued to grow and grow and grow out of those spaces, a lot of them ended up able to sublease those spaces at a profit because the market had gone up, there was more demand, these spaces had gone up in rate and they were able to take advantage of the situation. So I'm certainly very eager to see what companies come out of this and how they're able to also take advantage of the situation. Very fascinating, Ruben. If you ever come across an office that is distressed for sales, send it my way. <laughs> you had my words, Steph. I got your back. <laughs> wow, this has been so enlightening. I really appreciate you actually giving the breakdown of the leases before, during, and now, and what's happening, and how people, when people plan to come back. Thank you so much for joining us. How can our listeners get in touch with you? It's my pleasure. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or good old-fashioned email, ruben.torenberg at cbre.com. And as always, all of these links will be under show notes. Ruben, it's so great to chat with you again. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Steph. You're the best. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at montecarlorei.com on top of the page. And I would love to thank one of our latest reviewers, Chester772177. Must listen. This is a great podcast for learning about commercial real estate, thoughtfully put together with great subject matter and knowledgeable guests. Must listen. Thank you so much, Chester. I really appreciate you taking the time to write us a review and I will see you next time.